Well, good morning, everybody. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we begin 2019. The best news of the day, the sun's out. Can you give the Lord a hand for the sun being out? Sun. Man, I'm telling you, forgot what it looked like. I was like, I didn't sign up to live in Seattle, right? I want to live in Atlanta where the sun's shining. It, it just makes you feel better about life, doesn't it? Just makes you like, okay, we're going we're gonna to make it. It's going to quit raining. So we were up here yesterday, and we were taking out campus decorations. Our staff was up here doing our thing, and, and I get a text from a good friend named Bryce who goes here to North Star, and he said, hey, I want to congratulate you on your 22nd anniversary. I'd totally forgotten. Yesterday was our 22nd anniversary as a church. Would you give the Lord a hand for a great 22 years? Totally forgot. Totally forgot. So, question. 22 years ago, this is sort of like asking if you were in Atlanta, Fulton County when Hank Aaron hit a 755th, but if you were, if you were at the very first service we did at the Days Inn Comfort Inn Conference Center. Would you raise your hand? We have four, five. You win a special prize. Congratulations. But anyway, so would you thank all these amazing people that have stuck around all these years? So in the first service, I was so excited. So it said, if you were here, would you raise your hand? And it was Ann. She was the only one in the crowd. We've ran everybody else off. But it's been an amazing ride. So I remember, I was thinking about this last night. 22 years ago on that Saturday night, we went over this little core group that we had. We went over and set up the church. So we met at the Days Inn Comforting Conference Center, which is below Bolero. Now, it was U.S. Play. And there was a little uh, Holiday Inn Express there, and they had a or the little Days in Comfort in Conference Center, and they had this little conference center in between. It was the only place we could meet in. And I remember going over on Saturday night to set up. And so we're putting out chairs. Now, here was the hard part. We had absolutely no idea how many people would come. Zero. We were terrified because we're putting out, we put out like 250, 300 chairs, and we're just hoping people are going to fill up these chairs. We, but we really didn't know. So I remember that night we, we gathered and we prayed over the chairs. We just walked that room. And, and this wasn't a, hey, God, I hope tomorrow goes great. This was like, God, if people don't come, we don't get paid prayers, all right? And so we're like, oh, Lord, send people, because we knew the vision God put in our hearts. See, back that fall, a good buddy of mine named Ike, he was at First Baptist Atlanta. He'd been my pastor growing up, and I was out here, and I, God was stirring in me. It's time to do something different. I didn't really know what that was. God was stirring in Ike. We didn't know that it, in Ackworth, there was a, some families, Bill and Barbara Ward, and Val and Lynn Long and Robert and Linda Ledbetter. There was a crew up in Ackworth and they were praying for church. We didn't know all these things were going on, but God brought it all together. It was crazy. And so I remember turning in my letter of resignation at the church I was serving in and I was in, and this was like November-ish, and we were planning on starting at Easter. So usually when you start a church, you, you get everybody together, you have a core team for six months, then you cast the vision and you go out and reach people, and it's a year, eight months to a year. So this is November of 96. We're doing a little group meeting, telling about the vision God's laid on our heart, and a guy in the meeting said, I'll give you guys $100,000 if you'll start in January. 
we prayed about it, and God told us to start in January. And so it was a, it's amazing. God, was a, his leading was incredible. And so we started in January, and we really, really didn't have all our ducks in a row, really. But we knew what God had called us to do. We knew that we were supposed to be that place for people to find their way home to. And they didn't even know. And I remember we used to use this phrase, Becky and David will remember it. We used to use this phrase, we want to be the church for people who don't even know they want to go to church yet. That's, that's the phrase. We say that all the time. And so we're setting up the chairs that night. What we found out later that night was the speaker of the house, Newt Gingrich, was going to attend our opening service. So the secret service came to, to guard. We counted them. All right, and they were in our count. So it's, in church, you count everybody. All right, and so they, they were in the count. But I remember them standing back. They were just standing. You know, they had their earbuds in. They're standing along the walls. Roach, you'll remember this. And we're, I mean, we're going crazy because more people are coming than we had chairs for. And we're grabbing chairs. And I remember there was a guy named Bruce who was on our core team. He looked at one of the Secret Service guys. He goes, dude, don't just stand there. Pitch in and help out. That's what he said. <laughs> He didn't, all right? He just stood there. He just stood there. But I remember that passion we all had. And it was a passion that we live in a community of people who may or may not even know who Jesus is, and we want to be the church that helps them find their way. It's 22 years. Lots happened in 22 years. Anne was pregnant with Mary Michaels. Mary Michael was born that March. So that's, that's a long time ago. I was 28, 22 years ago. I was tw don't gasp. All right, that was rude. You're like, oh, man, time's not been good to you. But that was a long time ago, right? That was a long time ago. If you're here today and you say, I'm glad that group of people gathered. I'm glad that group of people gave. I'm glad that group of people served because I don't know if I would know Jesus today or be connected to church today if it weren't for this church. Would you stand right where you are? Would you? Just stand up right where you are. Would you thank the Lord for these people finding their way home? Guys, y'all can be seated. Here's what I'm going to tell you. There's hundreds of thousands of people that look just like them that need us to be that church. Today is about the heart of why we do church. This past week, I gathered with a group of football coaches. They were working on mission, vision, values for their program, and we did this whole thing. Let me tell you, today is why we meet as a church. Mark chapter 1. Take your Bibles. Mark chapter 1. If you get to Genesis, go to the right. If you get to the maps, go to the left. All right, Mark. It's the second gospel. Matthew, Mark. It's the second of the gospels. We'll be in chapter 1. It's the story of Jesus. So if we are going to be the church that God's called us to, what does that look like? What is the flavor of it, and what's our part? I remember those 365 people that showed up that very first Sunday. We knew this. We counted on every one of them. We counted on every one of them. We couldn't do it without them. Mark chapter 1, verse number 40. Everybody there? If you got your app out, it's really easy. Just go to your app. You look like the smartest person in the room, all right? So you've already found Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a who came to him. What does it say? <laughs> Listen, it's 2019. We can do better than that, all right? And so, and a what came to him? A leper. So let's talk about this. A leper wasn't a person who wasn't feeling well. 
A leper was not someone who had acne. A leper was not someone who life was going to go really good for later. They were just having a bad season. According to the Jews, when you were stricken with leprosy, it was God's ultimate strike against you. Maybe it's sin in your life. Maybe it's sin in your family. You got leprosy for a reason. There were things back in those days called leper colonies. Why were they called leper colonies? Because lepers didn't live with everybody else. When you got leprosy, A, as a child, B, as an adult, you no longer existed with the rest of society. You weren't going to be at SunTrust, checking in the Braves game, going to your seats and sitting by a leper. It didn't happen. They were off on their own. They were segregated because you don't want God's strike against you. You don't want yourself to be with leprosy because that would mean leprosy would eat away at your fingers and your toes and your limbs. When you were a leper, but get this, you got to get this to get the story. When you were a leper, you were alone. No hope, no future, no possibilities, no setting goals, no one my one word for 2019 is, like John Gordon said. None of that. Zero. Your goal in leprosy was to exist. Here's Jesus beginning his ministry, beginning his life, and a leper came to him. I guarantee you, if the disciples, this would have been the disciples, if we had been doing our job, the leper would have never gotten to Jesus. The leper should have never gotten to Jesus. But a leper came to him. Listen, nobody dealt with lepers. Nobody. Pick up the story. You're like, we're going to be here all day. The Falcons didn't make the playoffs. That's the punishment. All right, so there we go. And a leper came to him imploring him. If you got a pen, pencil, something to write with, I want you to write in the word begging. That's what that means. It literally means begging. The leper came to him begging him and kneeling. Kneeling sounds like was very reverent. Oh, master. No, 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 no. It was desperate. There's a kneeling out of reverence, and there is a kneeling out of desperation. If Jesus doesn't do something, the leper has no hope. He had heard about him. He had read about him. He may have known people that had met him. So Jesus is his last resort, and this leper came to him imploring Listen to what he said. If you will, you can make me clean. One translation says this. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Time out. Right, let's talk about this real quick. We got to get, if you don't get this, you don't get the story. If you are willing, if you will, you can make me clean. Here's what that means. Jesus, I know you can. I just don't know if you want to. That's what that means. Jesus, I know you can, but I don't know if you want to. Why would God want somebody like me? 
why would God heal somebody like me? Why would God touch somebody like me? If you are willing, if you will, you can make me clean. Can you imagine being at a point in life? That's the prayer. I'm telling you, it was desperate. God, if you don't do something, if, if you don't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. And look at what verse 42 says. And moved with pity or moved with compassion, one translation says, he stretched out his hand and he did what? We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. What did he do? Oh, help me out again. What did he do? He touched him. And said, I will or I am willing be clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Would y'all pray with me? Right where you're seated in Compass or True North or watching online, would you pray that God would show you Jesus' heart today? Would you? Would you make that your prayer? Dangerous prayer. Because when I see it, I got to do something with it. Show me Jesus' heart. Father, that's our prayer today. It's really simple. Whether I've been in church for the past 30 years or I hadn't been in 30 years, it really is irrelevant. The relevance is today we want to know your heart. Because if I know it, I can live it. And that's my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to write a word, ready? Right at the top of your outline. I'm just going to hit it and we'll dive in. And the, the word is salt. Would you write that down? Salt. Jesus in the gospel has told the, the believers to be salt and light. Back in the early days of North Star, we used to have this phrase we'd use all the time. Salt stands for see people the way that Jesus saw them accept people the way that Jesus accepted them, love people the way that Jesus loved them, and touch people the way that Jesus touched them. We talk about it all the time. And back, listen, back in those early days, if, if we didn't do it, it didn't get done. So that early crowd, that those that raise their hand and those that are, that are around this campus, a lot of them in True North, we depended on them. See, we realized we lived in a community that it wasn't they were going to other churches, they were going to the wrong churches. They just didn't go to church. So our job was not to, we didn't want anybody from another church. We wanted people who weren't even thinking about going to church. They're going to play tennis, they're going to play golf, they're going to the ball field, they're doing all those things. And even in 97, it was a very different world than it is in 2019. And we wanted to be the church when they thought about going to church that it was going to happen. So how did that happen? Well, it didn't happen because we had a building. We didn't have a building. We were, we were at Days Inn Conference Center for four weeks, and we moved to North Cobb High School. North Star back then was two 30-foot, two-foot trailers, a 24-foot trailer, and a white van, cargo van, that had our signs in it. If you saw it in your neighborhood, you would have hidden your children. All right, that was, that was North Star. That's all we had. North Star wasn't a building. You know what North Star was? And I don't, I don't want you to miss this. North Star was people. It was people that had a vision. I remember going to neighborhood clubhouses all over this community with Ike, and people would say, hey, we're inviting our neighbors to tell them about the church. 
We've got 20 people coming. We're feeding them lasagna, spaghetti, or whatever it is. Would you and I come and tell them about the church? And this, we did that all the time. People just had this burning passion. Well, it's up to me. You know what happens, though, over the course of time is it gets a little easier, and the, the, the larger you get, the more you can drift from the heart of why you started. What was it about Jesus that you and I need to get this morning? Ready? Lesson number one. I can't ignore the hurts of people. I can't. <clears throat> yes or no question. I'm going to make, make us all feel really good about ourselves spiritually because we're going to answer questions correct. We're going to get a 100 on our, our pop quiz at church today. So question number one. Were there religious people during this time? Yes or no? Yes. Why didn't he go to them? They didn't want him. They didn't want him. A leper shows up at the synagogue. It's not like, you know, let us park your car and, or donkey. All right, and let us, let's get you in. It, it didn't work that way. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Go back with your people. Don't come here. Jesus was different. So just, Jesus knew why he came. In fact, in the Gospels, it says this. Jesus said, I came. This is what he said. I came to seek and to save those that were lost. Yes or no question. Was Jesus on a mission to save the world? Yes or no? Why did he stop for a leper? Because you can't unwind people from mission. Does that make sense to everybody? You can't. If Jesus didn't stop for the leper, then who else wasn't he going to stop for? He stopped because he saw people. You cannot ignore the hurts of people. I want you to look at this verse with me. It's going to pop up on the screen. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. The leper was desperate. Mike, we don't have lepers around us. Let me tell you something. We may not have lepers, but we've got needs all around us. Sitting on your row this morning, Compass True North, Sitting on your row is somebody, there's a couple that walked out of their house this morning and they said, if we make it through 2019, it will be a miracle. And they are desperate for God's hand to save their marriage. Sitting on your row this morning is a parent who said, if my child doesn't come back to the Lord, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And they don't look like that, they look happy. There are people sitting on your row that are getting up, going to jobs that they hate and careers that they despise, miserable. Why don't we see it? This, and I'm going to tell you why from my end. Because I'm so consumed with me, it's hard for me to see others. Jesus was different. If we're going to be a father, if we're going to model Jesus' life, we cannot ignore the hurts of people. I want you to write this down under number one. I'm moving on. People are why Jesus came. People are why Jesus came. And he met needs. I can't ignore the hurts of people. I remember in those early days, we used to have a phrase that we used, and the phrase was, we want to be the first call for help. We want people, we want our community to call us because we don't want to miss the hurts. We don't want to, 
and I remember that was so foreign back then. People, I remember meeting with, with, with school counselors, with Marlin and local business leaders, and they're like, well, what are you talking about? The church takes care of the church, and the community does what the community does. And we're like, no, 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 no. We want to do it different. And people are like, it's never been done that way before. Well, that's what we, we are called to do. Nothing's changed. We cannot ignore the hurts of people. That means this, and I want you to write it under number one. Ready? I have to be available. I have to be available. You are part of a bigger story. There is a grand script being written that God's written you into. Your name's in there, and your name is not in there for you. Your name is in there for somebody else. And you're like, there's no way God could use me. Really? That whole New Testament was written by people that should have never been used by God. God just chose to use them. I cannot ignore the hurts of people. Principle number two, I must develop the heart of Jesus. I must develop the heart of Jesus. Here's the operative word there, develop. Would you circle that word develop? Because you don't have it and I don't have it yet. I'm trying. You're trying. Here's where we're all, some of you, your, your brand new resolution, 2019 is we're going back to church. You're back. You haven't been in years. I'm thankful you're here. Some of you, you haven't missed church in 30 years. Here's what we all have in common. None of us have Jesus' complete heart yet. We're all in process. We're all trying to figure this thing out. I must develop the heart of Jesus. I want you to look with me. Look at the verse. They're going to pop it up on the screen. Moved with pity, compassion. That means, literally, he was moved down to his inward being. He was torn to pieces. Yes or no question. Is it possible to see needs but not be moved by needs? Yes or no? Yes. I see them here, but I don't see them here. Jesus saw needs here. Our world trains us to see needs here, not here. You cannot be a true Christ follower if you are not moved by the needs of others. You cannot be. You're, you're, you're emulating someone that doesn't exist. We are looking at what Jesus, he was moved with compassion, which is awesome. But there was action tied to compassion. He was moved with compassion. Look with me. And he stretched out his hand. This is the best part of the story. He stretched out his hand and he did what? He touched him. Could Jesus have floated above him and healed him? Sure. Could Jesus have said a word and healed him? Sure. Could Jesus have run circles around him and healed him? Sure. Could Jesus have turned one of the disciples he really didn't like over to be the one that healed him? Sure. Why was touching so important? This boy probably hadn't been touched in years. If he was 30, if he lived that long, if he was 20, from the moment he caught leprosy, he had not felt physical touch. And Jesus touched him. Why? Because Jesus wanted him to know, I am willing, and I got you. 
touched him. He didn't throw money at it. He didn't throw words at it. There were other people Jesus healed he didn't touch. He touched the leper. Why did he touch the leper? And I want you to write this down under number two. Because the leper needed to be touched. He needed to be touched. He felt belonging from being touched. We live in a world that's dying to know what Jesus looks like, and he isn't physically here to show it. How in the world are they going to see it? Every eyeball on me. Because they meet you. Because they work next to you. Their neighbor's next to you. They have a locker next to you. They play ball next to you. You're their coach. You're their teacher. You're their real estate agent. God didn't send them to you to sell them a house. God didn't send them to you to just learn the game of football. He sent them to you for you to show them what Jesus looks like he didn't leave us as a church sitting on Blue Springs Road to be a place people visit once out every four Sundays he sent us to be a church of people who live and love and look like Jesus we have to develop the heart of Jesus and let me tell you something I know this on Sunday and by Monday by Monday I can be right back to my old way I got to develop it. I got to work on it. I do, I do pretty good having the heart of Jesus till baseball season starts. And umpires show up, right? And so I, I struggle sometimes having the heart of Jesus. I, I was, we have an umpire started attending a Bible study. He, he umpires a lot of our high school games. And one of the guys in the Bible said, so what's Mike like at the field? He said, he's great until you miss a call. All right, and so, I mean, that's it's true. So, but it, it's, it's a development. It's in process. Point number three, I must be the hands and feet of Jesus. And here's what I want you to write down under it. Somebody is counting on me. Somebody is counting on me. I must be the hands and feet of Jesus. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Why did God put you here? He left you here to help somebody else find their way home. That's why he left you here. That is a common purpose you and I all have. We were all left here to help someone who doesn't know find their way home. That's why you're here. Mike, I'm really looking for a church I can just sit and enjoy with my family. You're going to hate North Star. I'm going to save you the trip. I'll, I'll recommend some places. You're going to hate it here. Because we have a burning passion to help people that don't know where they're going find their way back to the Lord. Some of them grew up. They went to church. They went away to college. They got away. Then a month turned into years and years turned into multiple years, some even a decade. And something's going to happen in their life where they're looking to find their way back. Here's the question. Are we going to be the church that waits on them to show up or are we going to be the church that meets them where they are? Jesus didn't wait. Jesus went. 
I remember in 1997, I was 28 and just full of passion. I'm more passionate now than I was 22 years ago. Here's my question. If we go on mission and we begin to lead this, what's going to happen when they show up? Are we ready? I don't know if we are. Last night, Brian Beloy and Amy Beloy, pastor at Westridge, were probably, probably two of the larger churches in our community in Cobb and Paulding. They were at our house. We had this conversation last night. What's going to happen? God's depending on you, and I'm depending on you. Mike, our world's, our world's got it together. People aren't. I would beg to differ. A couple months ago, I was doing a wedding. So my rule on weddings is I always, I don't do rehearsals, all right, FYI. Don't do rehearsals the night before because nobody really wants you there, all right? And the wedding coordinator's going to run it. So I just send them my notes. I show up, I'm always an hour early. So the wedding was in Cloudland Canyon. Couldn't wait to see it. I heard the venue was gorgeous. There's two times in life I put on a suit, weddings and funerals. If I show up in a suit at your house another time, you're not feeling well, all right? And so I don't, I don't get out in suits a lot. So I'm all dressed up. I always, so this, I'm, a, I'm a neat freak. So went and washed my truck. I always show up to weddings in a clean truck. Went and washed my truck. Had my robe hanging. Had my suit on. Driving to Cloudland Canyon. Had a GPS. Going to get there an hour early. I left way early because I wasn't sure how much time to designate. I knew what my map told me, so I went ahead and designated more time to be there and started my drive. Listen to college football and driving to Cloudland Canyon. I looked the part, dressed the part, pull off. I'm going to be really early. So I pull in to where I think I'm going, and my GPS took me to a house in a neighborhood. And I'm like, don't think that's the wedding venue, all right? And so I'm sitting in this driveway in Chickamauga, Georgia, going, I am lost. And I got a bride and groom waiting on me to show up. So I put it in two GPSs, and then I start going in circles. I start going in circles. Don't laugh, it was bad. All right, so I start going in circles. And now I'm within like 40 minutes of the wedding. I'm way past an hour in. I'm 40 minutes, and finally I'm desperate. I pull in this driveway. This lady is pulling up in a car with her daughter, pulling up in a car. I pull up behind them in the driveway, and I know they're thinking, what in the world? I pull up, and I lean out of my truck, and I said, I am lost. I don't know where I'm going. I, my GPS has me so lost. Here's, the, here's where I'm going. They said, we know exactly where it is. Get in your truck and follow us. We'll get you there. I got there 10 minutes before the wedding started. I'm alive, Brad didn't kill me. All right, it's so 10 minutes, 10 minutes for the wedding start. I looked like I knew where I was going. I thought I knew where I was going until I found out I was lost. We live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, of people that look like they know where they're going, people that act like they know where they're going, and they don't know their way home. And let me tell you something, if it isn't for you, they're not going to find it. God put you in their life to be their North Star. God put you in their path to point them home. God put you in their journey. If it's nothing more than to go, hey, I don't even know what all to tell you. Here's what's happened to me. Come to church with me. That's why we're here. 
people get here, we got to take care of them. Let's find that little couple that's struggling. They got little ones. And the only way they're going to be able to come into church is being able to drop their kids off in a class and there's people there to care for them. There's people there to love their kids. For some of you in 2019, you've been coming, but this is your year to serve. We have some people in our classrooms have to serve both hours every Sunday because we need more people. And God put you here and you love kids. And maybe, maybe he put you here to serve those families. Well, Mike, I'm just serving in a class. Does it matter? Oh, yeah. When that couple gets their life together and finds their way home to Jesus, does it matter? You bet it does. And it wouldn't happen if those people weren't in there, those incredible volunteers weren't in there taking care of those kids. I want you to take your phone out. I want everybody to take their phone out. Not everybody to type in, but I want everybody to have their phone out. Most of you already do. If you're saying, Mike, that's me, I want you to text serve to that number with your name. I want to help kids this year. That's our number one need here. We have people holding doors. We have people working in parking lots. Great. Those are, those are jobs everybody loves to do. Not everybody likes to commit to helping kids. Some of you, you've been called. You've been gifted. You coach the Little League. You teach school. God's given you a passion for kids. I'm telling you, if we're going to reach our community, we've got to be able to be there for our children. This is the least number of services North Star will ever have. In 2019, we're going to have to add services. we got to add space. We had 5,000 on Christmas Eve. we gotta, we got to be ready for what God's going to do. Here's what I'm telling you. God's going to use you this year. God's going to use you. You just buckle up. Hold on for the ride. Would you pray with me? gutsy man if you're here today and you say Mike I want I'm a believer but I want to tell God he can use me this year I want to be used I don't want to just take up space I don't want to just go to work every day I want God to use me I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus I want to have Jesus's heart I want to help people find their way home. I want to be that person in the truck that says, get in, man, just follow me. Just follow me. I'll get you there. Bike, that's me. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you are? I, I, don't, I can't even see. It's dark. I can't see in true north. But i got people in there that can't. I can't. Just stand up right where you are. I don't waste any more time. Would you just give God your heart right now, would you? If you'd say today, Mike, I want to pray that this church is that North Star it was called to be. I want to pray that God uses North Star even more in 2019 than he's used in the past 22 years combined. What if God this year did more in one year than in all the other 22 years put together? What if he did that? It's going to happen if we pray. It's going to happen if we have that passion to have Jesus' heart. If that's you today and you say, Mike, I am going to make that my prayer, that God would use me and God would use this church to do great things, would you stand right where you are?
just begin to pray that? Would you stand with me, everybody? Would you stand with me? God, give us the heart of Jesus. God, let us smell like, look like, love like. God, when somebody describes a person sitting in the sound of my voice, they say, tell me what that coach is like. Tell me what that neighbor's like. Tell me what that friend is like. Tell me what that teammate's like. God, my prayer is, the answer is, I don't know, man. I think they look like Jesus looked. God, would you just pray that God would help you look that way? Would you?